hello everybody uh it's another episode of the beer garden me james and rob uh on the fault line social podcast coming at you to talk uh some more whether it'll be constructive or not i don't know let's find out how are you doing rob man what's going on good man i'm all right i had like an unnecessarily massive lunch before this but i'm all right i had like a whole slab of pate and a whole french baguette I was planning to have a third of the pate and a third of the baguette, but I finished it and then stood back up and did it two more times and it was all gone. I, I, it was delicious, man, but it's, it was nice. too, too much of a lunch. We'll be nice. able to make Rob pate from your liver now. I, you've just been stuffing yourself with pate. It'd be the yeah, ultimate bro, treat. Yes, yeah. sounds good, man. <laughs> and I was watching The King of Queens when I was eating lunch and uh, I don't think it's that bad of a show. I think it's all right. With Kevin James and Leah Remy and that, it's all right. I think it's pretty watchable to eat pate and bread too. It was good. A true renaissance man. How about you, Jim? What's going um, on, man? I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in awe. Well, to be fair, I'm, I'm not in awe of Rob's lunch in that I basically have had not not a too dissimilar experience. So I've just been on like a big walk around Litchfield, so stopped off at the co-op on the way before I came back with also a French stick. But I managed to get some discounted chicken tikka. So there you go. That was my... Nice, nice. So that, that, that was pretty good. Um but no, I always quite rated the King of Queens. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, same. I don't see why people, so many people have a problem with it. And it's got, um, what's his name? Uh, the old man is Ben Stiller's actual dad. Is it like really? Yeah, yeah, that's actually Ben Stiller's dad. I know why. I know. Uh, was that yeah, the same in Zoolander as well? Like the, his um, agent Zoolander's was played so funny. by like, Ma- Maury Ballstein. Like that guy was actually Derek's dad as well. Uh, was um, Derek fucking Ben Stiller's dad in in that show, in the uh, movie, yeah, because he he was like he was a comic in his own right before, and and he always plays like the the uh, the, the the cantankerous old man in various things. Zoolander's so funny, bro. When he when he's like, man, mer, it's merman. That's so <laughs> <laughs> merman. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like he wins the argument there. That's it. That's all that needs saying. <laughs> oh my god, so funny, man. So every every time, obviously now that homeschooling is over, I'm picking Jack up from school and stuff now. And I've created like a rock monster. So his, his sort of orders, as soon as he gets in the car, are both windows need to be down, a rock song needs to go on, and it needs to be on like the loudest possible volume that I can manage. Cool. Um, all, of, all of these requests are made like instantaneously as I'm performing some sort of difficult manoeuvre like trying to pull out of somewhere or whatever it is but yeah he's <laughs> yeah. um I'm, I'm well impressed he's you know what's like his go-to track what does he like yeah what's the most frequently oh. kind of requested or no, you know what he doesn't like i don't know if it's because he doesn't really know the names because he, he doesn't really bother himself to ask me who it is the name of the track is but he just that's why he just asks for a rock song so like obviously after I, I think it was like the day after I'd done the interview with uh, with Mike Miley, I put some Rival Sons and stuff on for him. Um, but then I found like this uh, this this like metal random metal playlist on Spotify. So we had um, Cowboys from Hell by Pantera. He quite liked. <laughs> yeah, sick. Nice man. Nice. So yeah. his, his education is progressing. Um, yeah, that's cool. In earnest, which is good. Yeah, man. Nice. I want to see you like blasting Walk like out of the car. Yeah, we just like Jack in amongst, in amongst like the three thirty yeah. school pickup. <laughs> well, I am getting funny looks driving through the areas that I drive through because obviously it's very much more a kind of well, obviously, I mean, as we'll probably go on to talk about, like the, the current scene is very much strayed away from from rock in general, so you don't tend to hear like thumping metal come blasting out of cars anymore. Not anymore, mm. man. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was going to say before, you know, we're going to be talking today a bit about. um 
the general idea was like the death of the band and uh you know like like our group's alive and well but you know why is there like this focus on like solo artists at the moment or it seems to me well, it seems to us i suppose maybe there's like a focus on like being a solo artist and um creating music by yourself um i mean you know people might have like a team of producers or whatever as well but like there's like one person is like brought to the forefront for the brand and i think that that is like true for the mainstream it is yeah i think yeah so. so like i mean you know what do we think i mean obviously there are like loads of fucking groups out there like in all the different subgenres of music all over the world uh, i mean what's like our initial thoughts on that you know i mean um is it maybe the way that music's created nowadays like the process like you know uh, is having like a band like you know having four or five friends is that like no longer like kind of like a necessary thing for um you know getting into that kind of world because so i suppose like back in the day it was like you'd go in like a garage and like you'd have like a friend who played guitar you'd have like a friend who also played guitar but you know you made them play bass and then you also like have a friend who was like a drummer yeah so like is it at times just changing yeah i will say people might decide to do like solo projects because they can still be creative but don't have the hassle or logistical challenges of uh forming a band you know basically because singer songwriters might just be musicians who like lack friends <laughs> to form bands basically <laughs> so but i think yeah because you don't you don't need a band if, if you can pretty much sing and play a bit of guitar or piano then you could just make the rest digitally on a computer and maybe hire some random people to record on it or something you don't because you, you the whole process and the whole building blocks are just completely flipped around how it used to be I think yeah, because you don't you don't need a band anymore, especially even to make full band stuff. You don't need a band at all because because of computers and te- and technology. So I think that's probably why stuff can you can get results quicker, like much much quicker basically. And you just have to, there's I think also the the creative process is probably a lot faster as well because nobody has to agree in unison. It's just this is what I want to do, and I don't have to okay it with anybody, unless obviously there's probably a label involved at some point. But yeah, I think that's it. But that's one of the reasons anyway man people just don't have to spend time rehearsing with like four of the people contacting them getting everybody in the same space at once they can just say like i can play like four chords write these songs and then just put everything else digitally on top and then figure it out yeah that's true man it's like it, it like less of a necessity like definitely the way music is made it's like very different but you know it's weird though because like the things in the chart like obviously there are like thousands and thousands of bands out there obviously on countries all over the world but is there like particular like maybe a reason that um kind of more there's more emphasis being for, uh, placed on solo artists at the moment is it is it just that kind of music is just kind of popular at the moment yeah i think because if you look at dickhead like ed sheeran he actually kind of summarizes this whole peak man like that people want to hear that and i don't know why people think it's like really raw and everything i have no idea but he did like didn't he do like five nights at wembley stadium like three years yeah ago. yeah it's huge huge concerts that's man like, yeah. that's like half a million people in a week he played too i have no idea why that's come back that whole singer songwriter vibe solo artist i really don't know man that's such a good question yeah because maybe people want to just see simplistic music i don't know or they there's like this whole vision of it's like Etsy, isn't it? You know, people make like earrings online and it's just DIY. People are like, oh yeah, this person's just doing it raw, digitalized and less corporate. I think people and people, people, I think people think it's a lot better than it actually is. You know, I think they think talent goes the talent that's actually there is a lot greater than what is actually going down. I think. I, th- I think. I think. I see. I see what you're saying in that regard because I think that if you like, it's viewed a lot more highly if it's a solo artist doing something on on their own rather than as part of a band. 
Like it's like, yeah. oh god, look, look at all, look at this album, and they made it all by themselves, and it's kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think I think a big part of it is that obviously in terms of what is popular in, well, no, we'll go what's mainstream at the moment. You don't need a band, you just don't like EDM, pop music, whatever else, you know, that kind yeah. of you know hip hop. Um, you don't need other people. You can literally, you know, I mean, I, I was listening to one of our old pods the other day. And, uh, and Rob, you were like, you know, we could get a microphone and we could record an album on our laptop and that's it and done. And in an afternoon, you could get like 10 tracks recorded. You don't yeah. need anybody else anymore. And not only that, but obviously the way society kind of goes, I think it's much more prevalent that you have people that are loners. I mean, even people that I've spoken to and we've done interviews and stuff, they've used music as kind of therapy almost again almost everybody that i've spoke to they've said that when they had a song that they'd written and they took it to the band that they were in or were forming or whatever there's that edge of kind of oh it's very you know you're revealing something personal and obviously when you release the song it's different than it is to explaining it out to somebody that you're recording it with or explaining why you've come up with the ideas because when you just release it you're not explaining that to anybody i think that's the thing now and you'll find solo artists that want to go out and tour i think that's more how people are doing it these days like people like phoebe bridges like julian baker like, i think are really really good man but that's just them singing and there's nothing else but i think and it's sick it's sick sometimes it works like incredibly well like that but i think i also think what people sing about in like acoustic music is quite um they like emphasize on like loneliness in every way because it's just them and in lyrical content and i think do you know what like with social media i think people like feel that in life as well i think they actually talk about more relatable topics than people actually kind of realize i think that also gets kind of naturally brought to the forefront of it all within certain elements of it but in terms of when it gets a bit like even someone like george ezra you know i don't know why the fuck people are into that but I don't know. That just happens, doesn't it? It's like the bad stuff just gets uh, on the pedestal and people, <laughs> let it, people let it stay there. Yeah, well, that's interesting what you said about uh, like it kind of taps into what people are feeling at the moment. Do you think there's like there's more cutting through like the kind of extraneous stuff that maybe you would get with uh, like with a band? So for like they say, like, you know, there's um, art by committees, you know, obviously something that's not great, you know. So if you've got like four or five people having all their input, it can either be like creatively like fantastic fantastic because obviously everyone can bring something to the table but then if you've just got like one voice like cutting to the heart of the matter like they're writing the song that they want to it's like the closest you'll get to like a singular vision i say that but then like even solo artists like you know james you were talking like yeah air quotes solo artists um you said you watched that thing on dua lipa like she's a solo artist right and she write stuff or but she's got like a whole team of people that like do this for her right and a lot of tr like chart music i assume is made like that by committee but then it's presented as like a one voice like singing this so maybe that's what people identify with man i don't know i think i think it's i think that the julia leaper situation obviously well i don't know even even when you speak to people that are unsigned or you know who are just sort of coming up they will have a producer who works at the studio that they go to that they will discuss things and, and, and arrange things with i don't i don't think it ever exists entirely in a bubble i remember um daniel beddingfield's first album or whatever was recorded entirely on a pc in his room that was one of the first sort of diy vibe things that made it into like number one album number one singles and all that sort of stuff that sort of microcosm that little bubble doesn't exist for very long because even just to make it to be released somebody's got to kind of get involved on the, the distribution side and they're very very unlikely to to agree to distribute something without having yeah. any 
any input whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Like you were saying, what was the ban? Was it uh was it the Deftones were on about the other week where it was like they paid a hundred grand to have their album? Senses fail. fail, yeah. That's the record label yeah. paid a hundred grand to uh, have that album mixed and mastered and like yeah, produced basically. <laughs> which, yeah, which like, is nuts but obviously that's why that's a big thing i mean we, we, we talk about we talk about them all the time but you look at guns and roses as a prime example i'll, I'll say this now like axel rose is potentially one of the, the biggest and most difficult to work with assholes apparently in in the entirety of the music industry and he is a prime example of somebody who needed a band of musicians yeah. but that was that's that's the ethos and then like you know you look at you look at metallica with the kind of lars and james axis of kind of disagreement shall we <laughs> shall we call yeah. it you know to, to be nice about it when you're a solo artist unless you you know you've got some sort of multiple personality syndrome or you you, you know the arguments that you have are with yourself was it the interview with Grey Waver? It was kind of like she felt that she she wasn't confident enough in the material, so she needed to show it to other people for them to listen to it and go, no, that is good. Like I think that's that's what you need when you're a solo artist more than anything else. You need that reassurance. Yeah. Like you just need a sounding board, but you don't have that that creative checks and balances thing where somebody goes, oh, I don't like that lyric, or I don't like that hook or i don't like that verse or whatever it is and like you say you've got creation by committee then you need that sense of power i think at times where they're like right well if you're gonna fuck the song so much then we won't do it yeah this is what i was like uh, yeah trying to like kind of think about is um you know is the way that like music's created like solo and, and you know let's um obviously other people are gonna have input so like let's forget producers and stuff for a moment but like is that music that's created like so, like by a solo artist versus a group is that like is there something inherently more like interesting like about that because it seems to dominate like the charts for example uh, but is, is it that it's more interesting or is it for another reason perhaps like i think it's like a branding issue at the moment and like yeah. the way that like music is sold and packaged now like nowadays in, in the mainstream is like you have like a very big name at the front right so it's like I'm trying to think of like examples with bands. Like if I don't, if you ask like people who are in Queen, people would be like, "Oh, Freddie Mercury, for example." Well, it's, it's like Maroon Five because I think that was the start. Oh, of the yes, topic. that's the one. That's a perfect Levine example. An that's a better example. Said, and yeah. It, yeah. most people, when you think of Maroon Five, you just think of Adam Levine. Adam Levine, right? Because he's gone on to have like a solo career. And like confusingly, yeah, Freddie Mercury's solo career was very, very bizarre and strange. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean it's like an, fucking like an A-list celebrity now, man. Right, you know? right, yeah. That's like quite a prime example. Like one of probably the perfect examples of it, actually. Yeah. So, is there something more marketable about Adam Levine than Adam Levine and his band? Like, I mean, I personally, I don't know. Like, I know he is the lead singer and everything. I so. don't know, man, but every band needs a front man. Like, every yeah. band, no matter what you play, everybody needs a front man. Like, and he's, he's a good front man, but it's like, I, I don't know why he can be a front man of, like, an indie rock band <laughs> like Maroon 5 used to be, and especially on songs like on the Jane record, but, and then being marketed as then, like, a guy who's in OK Magazine and, like, on The Voice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is about him, but uh, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know what to say, man, because like people, you know how like everywhere sells sourdough now? It's kind of like that. You know, stuff <laughs> just happens. Stuff, people follow the trends. You know, if you give someone an acoustic guitar and let them stand on their own, people are going to be like, this is so creative. This is amazing. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it really is like... Um, but I don't know. And they're the problem. They're the people who probably bought sourdough. Yeah. So you think it's like speaking to a trend, isn't it? But I mean, personally, like I love like acoustic singer songwriters. I think like some like sick music has been made in that genre. 
but, but now it's like like Elliot Smith, like you know Dylan, like whatever John Mayer, uh, you know, you know, all all in the same category there for me personally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> James is looking very upset, but but do you know what I mean? Like it's not you say John Mayer, or just, even, it's a complete <laughs> trope now because I actually enjoy most of his music. It, it's <laughs> like, I know you'll start defending him. <laughs> But it's like, um, yeah, man, then you get like Ed Sheeran, like obviously like, you know, like not untalented, like whatever. But I think the music that he makes is just like so uninteresting. I hope people are ashamed at the state of the music industry now in like 10 years time. And like what was actually like captivating people's minds in terms of people like Ed Sheeran and George Ezra, you know, that there's anything. Right, okay, do not, because I think you've just made a proper sterling point, but... I think so. You know how we were talking about when we were talking about the um, the golden eras, and we were talking about the seventies. We all agreed that there was some real shite in the decade, as well as some really good stuff. Yeah. I think, and I'm probably going to end up like trashing a lot of people's like major artists and stuff now. But the the big thing that I noticed with the seventies, because I actually did sit there, and this is quite sad, but when I wrote the article, I went through and I looked at the number ones for every year in the decade. And I tried to draw a comparison between how, um, and I even make the point in the article that every genre almost is represented and not just with some chart performance, but every genre that you would classify as being prevalent in that, uh, in that decade, every genre had a number one that they could claim. But, I think the balance just isn't there in the in the modern in the modern world. It just the modern charts. So if you go for like the modern top forty or whatever they classify it as these days, there's like two or three genres that pretty much dominate the entirety of popular music now. You wouldn't suddenly find like Metallica popping up, or you know, like you're not going to have a rock or a metal or an indie band getting a number one in this in this time in this day and age. Like you just, it's just not going to happen. There's not that flexibility. Yeah, like I don't know why though. Yeah. Architects did actually go to number one last week in the like, album charts. Yeah, but in say, the album, yeah. but, but that's yeah. just like everybody who likes yeah. them, and it will fade away. That doesn't yeah. actually reflect yeah. like general trends. album yeah. album charts. See, that's the major point: is that albums are a different animal. Yeah. Like at the moment, it's all single led again, yeah, and yeah, it's. Yeah. Everything yeah. that's popular at the moment, everything that's mainstream, it's a lot of it is single led, like yeah. almost to the point where you will get like you maybe you used to get like two or three singles off an album. Now it's more like six. Yeah, like over half seven. the record is already out before the album. Yeah, exactly, it's crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, when you had the interview with Lauren Israel and he said that um, like guitar music isn't going to come back in the next two years, it just isn't. What this, what I didn't want this chat to turn into, or this topic to turn into, is like a, a, a pros and cons list between being a solo artist that can go and get a band and tour versus being in an actual band. Like, I didn't want it to be that. But I think having a band and being in a band associates itself naturally with certain genres of music. Yeah, so, obviously, yeah. if you're a band of, let's just go with like a standard four piece. So, obviously, vocals, lead rhythm uh, like, like lead bass and um drums like you are going to end up you're not going to be doing that if you are you know you're not going to join and be a band if you're doing edm music or whatever do you know what i mean you're not going to be a four-piece band that does singer songwriter acoustic no. guitar stuff True. you're not True. are you yeah like it just doesn't make sense to do that so you are going to be like a rock band or an indie band and I just think that has been sort of marginalised. I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, because it obviously does. But for whatever reason, 
I don't see how there's any difference between what an indie band would produce in terms of the lyrical content and what, say, a singer-songwriter would produce. Yeah. Like, okay, like a, a, a balls-to-the-wall rock band, you know, like a proper old-fashioned hair metal band are probably not going to sing a proper, you know no, what no. I mean, like a, a shoegazy kind of very emotive song. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But an indie band would. Like, I don't see... You're telling me that the Smiths of having, like, a Smiths track has got less sort of lyrical depth than than an Ed Sheeran song. I mean, them's fighting words. Like, that's... If you're coming yeah, to me yeah. with that, I'm coming back with hands. Like, do you know what I mean? True, yeah, man. True, true. It, it's not like a... It's not like a compartmentalised thing, right? This is why I say, like, I love all those like acoustic singer-songwriters, but then, like, the, it's like some of them are so fucking mediocre and so shit. It's just, like, it's, mm. like, embarrassing. But it's just a shame that it's, like, um, that's been at the forefront so much, man. Like, acoustic music being made now is, like, just very homogenised, like, very uninteresting to my ears anyway. But it's they're not outliers anymore. So I, this right. is a weird one. Right. Like, my dad, my dad had an album that I kind of <clears throat> stole, um, which was called The Singer and the Song, and it was effectively supposed to be sort of songwriters. So it had, like, Ralph McTell um, uh, and, like, Lou Reed, Walk on the Wild Side. It got, like, all these different tracks that were sort of not what you would have normally have heard. So, like, the Ralph McTell song is, like, uh, Take Me Through the Streets of London, and then there was, yeah, like, Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. What else was there now? There was all sorts of things that were on there that you wouldn't have necessarily, they wouldn't have fit the normal sort of mainstream profile. And that was kind of the point that these people had kind of gone off on their own and created something that was almost like the musical equivalent of an inside joke that was very personal to them. Um, so like Vincent by um, Don McLean and stuff like that, that was also on there. Um, but now it's not that it, it's it's actually the opposite now it's very much exactly what is out there you know this sort of these generic you know I'm, I'm not even saying like, I don't <laughs> this is a daft thing but like Bob Dylan Bob Dylan was subversive and different and you know but like lyrically there was there was you know information there or there was like a cause that they're trying to sing about you know there's some sort of political game to it there just isn't anymore there just doesn't seem to be that at all not yeah, in the charts, certainly, but yeah. Well, yeah. yeah that's it, man. The actual message that the people who get attention, the actual the message within the music, they don't really think there is one. There's nothing like intriguing or artistic about what they're doing, to be honest. And I don't know, I guess people don't want to hear in-depth uh, commentary. They just want to hear bland, off-the-cuff, something they can just play when they drive to Morrison's or something, which is like, fair enough. If that's what you're into, listen to it. But I think, yeah, people just don't want to hear stuff that is deeper than three minutes about, I don't know, someone you wish you asked out or like <laughs> pissed on on a Friday or something. I don't know, man. Do you know what I mean? Anything like that. I don't, I don't know why it doesn't go deeper anymore. I guess, I guess people just aren't inclined to even try that hard, I guess. I'm not saying that every every song has to have a, a deeper, meaningful message. Like, it doesn't. What, where is the stuff that does? Like, the closest I think I've, I've got to in terms of... So, in one of the interviews, uh, one of the guys I interviewed recommended Tom Grennan, who I'd never heard of. Um, yeah. and then I think he released his second album like last week cool. something like that um, it, it like came out the other day or whatever it was and he was he happened to be on Lorraine the other morning when I, I like I turned the TV really? on and it was no, yeah. he seems like a lovely guy and he's obviously very popular 
Like he's got that look, which is like a, a very like modern look, whatever it is. But I just found like I listened to the album, I listened to his first one and his second one purely for research for kind of this really because like you know he's a solo artist. Yeah, that there was no kind of huge depth to it. I don't think. Like I don't I don't know why I'm I'm so critical of it because I don't like you say. Well, what's there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, man, but like it's like this because like when you when you're a fan of like Johnny Cash or Bob Dylan, I don't know Frank Turner, whoever we've been listening to, you have this gold standard, man, to be given the key to our brain of, of like our shelf of enjoyment. We have, do you know what I mean? It's like when when you've listened to this and realised what it is, it's like everything else you got here has got to meet this this ceiling. I was basically saying when people find the connection to the 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 roots of a movement and they see it replicated in their current lifetime, I think. Some people would find it very hard to connect to a watered down version of something that of something that they have felt connection to and admired so much. And when they see it just repeated and repeated to try and get gratification from little, little elements, not the actual whole thing of it, the whole product as a whole unit, they're going to get pissed off and you're going to have this gold standard in your mind of what you want to hear from this recipe. And when it isn't made every time, it's going to be disappointing for you. I think uh, with with any genre, really, with anything, you're gonna have this gold ceiling, this little secret key of what your brain can truly, truly connect to, rather than just enjoy for a little bit, but rather than being like, yes, this is part of, you know, what you know, my listening history and what I've, and a, an album that made a big impact on my life. Yeah, and I th- and I think definitely to go further and say that I would say that is not the um to to make that kind of music and to make that connection is is not the goal of like the what's being currently produced in terms of like, you know, these, yeah, these exactly. artists that we've talked about. So yeah, and that's fair of, enough, yeah. you know, as you said, like, you know, they're just, it's something to put on on a Friday night and, you know, talk about, you know, a breakup or what, like you, you said it best. So, yeah. I think, I think my, my worry, I'm going to, I'm going to go sort of pseudo intellectual on it now, but so. Oh yes. That's, uh, that's our, that's our signature. Are we all familiar with the concept of the, um like the, the shadows on the back wall of the cave? Sort of vaguely. So it's basically the idea that these people are sitting in a cave and they're watching shadows of what's happening outside. But they're like the actual reality is obviously out outside of the cave. But their only perceptual experience is shadows being cast on the back wall, um, and that's what they think existence is. That's what they think everything is. Like the root cause, what's actually caused this to happen, is much brighter, much better, and more original. But there is only the perception of this shadow element, and I think that's kind of damning with faint praise. That's how I feel about the modern, a lot of what the modern music scene. James, I can't believe you just said that. That's fucking sick. That I was going to say I never would have actually linked. That is, that is it, man. Yeah. That is it. I never would have linked the allegory of the cave, some fucking Greek Socrates shit, man, to like, yes, to, to like actually what this they're talking about. That's, that's actually funny. like so, it's so, very so, apt, so, so you've got so. Yeah, so for example, like you've got you've got like outside in the mouth of the cave, you've got like I don't know, like Johnny Cash, um, like Brian Wilson, Bob Dylan, and then on the cave wall, you've got Ed Sheeran. Like that's I, how I that's how I see it being. Like there, there's it's such a it's such a watered down level. And like don't get me wrong, like I'm not saying that if you listen to this music, you, you are in some. I, I'm, I am saying that you're missing out. I hugely am. I'm not saying, you know, there's anything wrong with that. Like I said the other week, if all you ever listen to is N-dubs and that's your that's your world and that's what you're happy listening to, all power to you, man. But don't, like, don't wax lyrical. I mean, oh, there was this this kid that 
when uh, when um, when I was in like the second year of uni, the uh, the Arctic Monkeys had just come out, right? And there was this weird guy. There's it's always a weird guy, but there was this weird guy who literally always wore his Arctic Monkeys T-shirt. And the story was that he'd gone to see them at a gig in Sheffield, like the first time they'd come out, whatever it was. Like he was the original Arctic Monkeys hipster, right? And it wasn't so much that he was coming out with, oh, you know, I was there at the first gig before everybody else got on board and all that sort of stuff. Like hipsterism has gone on for centuries and it's fine. I don't really care. Like, you know, you do you. But it was the fact that he was making it sound like, I mean, they're a decent enough band, but it made them sound like the second coming. Like it made them sound like Jesus himself had like stepped up to the mic with his Les Paul. And I was like, no, I was like, mate, there are much better bands. Like, okay, well done. You went and saw them before you know, 10,000 other people did, like, fair play to you, but they're not the greatest musical entity that are, that are ever going. Like I always make the joke about when you're going to cover a song, cover a Bob Dylan song, because you're going to sound better than Bob Dylan does when you do it. You've got to kind of add something or be a bit different. Or, you know, if your sound is, say, a mixture of Led Zeppelin and Genesis, say, I'm going to listen to you because you sound different to listening to just Led Zeppelin or just Genesis. Do you see what I mean? Like you're not like a watered down version of one or a watered down version of the other. You are this kind of cool new variation of the two of them combined, for example. That's where new music needs to go. Like if you are basically that shitty photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a picture that is so like hackneyed and you can barely make it out and it's kind of blurred and this bit's kind of faded over the one corner or whatever it is if you are this shitty level rip-off version yeah because if you're doing that your shelf life is limited from day one anyway because people will probably just see through it man well you'd say that but then what's you know that's basically well to my mind maybe i'm maybe i'm tiring him too much um but that that's kind of what ed sheeran feels like to me mm. like he he doesn't bring anything new to the table there's nothing that i would could get from listening to ed sheeran that i can't go and get elsewhere better he's, he's like a pound land sandwich like i can go and get i can go and get the same sandwich better somewhere else kind of sorry ed sheeran is the the richest pound land sandwich I've, I've ever <laughs> yeah and he's an easy go-to example of course but um, yeah i'm bashing him because like rob started it and it seems yeah. like once he's on the ground i'm throwing the boots in now but i'm sure he, i'm sure he can like you know woody harrison style wipe the tears away with his uh, know, yeah 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 <laughs> i'm sure he's doing all right yeah <laughs> yeah well you know that's quite a convenient segue into um you know, singer-songwriters, because very excitingly this week, uh, or maybe last week now, the Eurovision song that the UK will have to represent themselves at the Eurovision Song Contest was released, and it's by English singer-songwriter James Newman. But yeah, man, it's called Embers. It's it's our it's our best effort. It's pr- it's pretty terrible. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna like say what I think straight away. But it is for Eurovision, you know. So I think there's a deliberate play with Eurovision. You know how, like, with the Olympics, it can't be professional athletes. They're supposed to be. But, like, obviously, you know, like boxing, for example, they're, they're amateur boxers. They go on and become professionals after the Olympics kind of thing. But it's almost like it's a deliberately lower-rent effort. Like, if, if it was any good, you'd have just 
released it as a single and you'd have been in the charts and you'd have been like, no, I'm not doing Eurovision. Because I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll put my flag in the sand. I think Eurovision is a detestable bag of shite. Absolute waste of three hours of television. Can't Same. Same, what I enjoyed about Eurovision was Terry Wogan doing Terry the commentary. Wogan that was the best fucking thing about it. And it was actually hilarious. But we don't have that anymore, so... Yeah. I know, like, do you know in wrestling, like, Jim Ross was the better than <laughs> <in> the wrestling? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think Terry Wogan summed up perfectly the, I'm doing this because I'm being paid for it, but I really can't be asked. Yeah. It's been my attitude for a lot of my life. <laughs> so Terry Wogan summed up that for me beautifully. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, due to kind of being forced to, um, well, no, Theo didn't, like, hold a gun to my head, I basically said that I thought this was terrible, and he was like, "No, we need more than that." Um, so I did. I did. I did listen to the track from start to finish. Thanks, Theo. Thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah, it is. It is overall pretty, pretty terrible. So there's little elements of it um, that would have and could have been used to actually make a decent track, but they just didn't. They decided not to go that way. So the vocal, obviously, it's produced to overly produced to shit it's not a natural vocal sound at all like if you can actually sing you don't sound like that if you kind of can't sing then you you know you uh, auto-tune it and that's what you sound like so first of all he's not on he's not out the gates with any discernible talent they've got horns in it so there's you know there's like saxophone or whatever but yeah. they don't use it as an actual horn section they don't con- contribute anything to the melody it's almost like a bass line so it's a complete waste of time they don't use it as like a neat little hook to get you interested they don't use it to lift any interest in the track whatsoever there is a cowbell that crops up oh, one wonderful. Through. so that instantly gives it oh. one star you yeah. always get a star for a cowbell <laughs> there is uh, a, an obligatory quiet section where it pairs back all the all the instrumental and it's just the vocal, but they don't actually change any. There's there's nothing lyrically different in that section to the rest of the song, so they don't imbue it with any more depth, any more feeling. It's still auto tuned to shit. That's like, a clever trick, actually. In music nowadays, they make the bridge and they take all the instruments away, so it's just the vocals, and then the instruments come back in slightly louder. So they've not actually done anything. To yeah, like exactly. change they've not written anything different all they've done or even like dynamically changed the instruments they've just like taken them away and then made them slightly louder lorraine kelly liked it but she's pretty much duty bound to say that it's a good effort and it's just yeah overall it was pretty pretty shite i thought but what's weird is i then actually did look into the horror of um eurovision as a whole and we used to be really good at it as a country. We were pretty, you know, pretty used spot to, on. We used to kind of kill it, to be fair. Well, put it this way. So we, almost a third of our total appearances have been first or second. This is the UK, by the way. And pre-2000, we were only outside of the top 10 three times. So we were literally top 10 oh. for, the, for the majority of the time. Post the year 2000, we've only been in the top 10 twice. So in 2003, we... Uh, with a group called Gemini, we were quite hilariously nul poids. So we got literally <laughs> fuck all. Um, I mean, even even that album that I absolutely destroyed in the review got partial credit because they got their name right on the front. <laughs> I gave it one star or something. 
But uh, I don't know, there is something that I did give zero to, but that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, so basically we, we've <laughs> yeah. kind of been, we were last in 2003, 2008, 2010 and 2019. Right. So then I thought to myself, I was like, well, I've always had this perception that it's kind of the second string that go into Eurovision. Like if we were going to pick the best of the best of what the nations have to offer, then obviously if you go back through history, Britain as a nation would, well, destroy everybody else, surely. Like, Britain have had the best of the best of the best, you know, over the last however long. Yeah. So there is a massive, as you can probably tell, there is a massive discrepancy between what the chart position is versus what the position was when they were in Eurovision. So what was successful in Eurovision was not necessarily successful in the charts. So I think there's normally, I mean, it's hard to judge because obviously the charts are like a top 40 and in the Eurovision, it's like top 26. There were only, I think, three occasions where we were, where it won Eurovision and was number one in the charts. And that was the last time that happened was Bucks Fizz in 1981 with Making Your Mind Up. So it very much came away from being something that uh, a proper high-end chart act would actually get themselves involved with. Because I think over time, particularly, it's been seen much more as a kind of a, a joke. It is very much a, uh, it's the it's not even the UEFA Cup. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not like the Europa League to the Champions League. It's not even that stretch. It's like, you know, the Papa John's Trophy. You know, that's, oh, that's effectively what it is. <laughs> oh, God, really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the, I forget now what teams. It's like the league. Uh, it's like the football league trophy or something that like you know only teams sponsored by Papa John's. <laughs> yeah, it's sponsored by Papa John's and Salford City won it. Salford City, okay. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, which is slightly controversial. We won't go into like the controversies of Salford City and the money that they've got and whatever else. Like that's for a whole different podcast that we don't even do. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been a long time since we were properly um, bothered by it enough to actually allow decent artists to to contribute. I mean, I'm just going to go out and put this put it out on a limb that nobody like that neither of you two guys had heard of James Newman before. I hadn't heard of James Newman before. Um I don't know what his normal music career is. But I think I think most musicians, if they actually had any kind of wherewithal about them, if they were invited to do Eurovision, uh they would kind of be like, mm, fuck off. No, thanks. I think he's like a dancey producery kind of songwriter. He's he's done what with like rudimental, you know, that kind of like dance musicy kind of thing. So this is like right up his alley, I suppose. I'm looking at the odds for our victory this year and it's not looking good. I've got to tell you boys, we're currently ranked 21st by the bookies standing coming in at uh, 100 to 1 outsiders for a victory 100 to 1 yeah yeah so so switzerland oh are the favorites with a 20 percent chance of winning followed by bulgaria and france sweden and italy pretty much all what? tied yeah. for second so what 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 are the odds of what what, what are the odds you know we're 100 to 1 what's like switzerland Switzerland are so their odds are let me just get to it what's uh, uh five to one five uh, sorry no, actually slightly better than five to one actually five nine to four or five to two so do you know what I think Eurovision is worth putting 15 quid on if you just pick the winner because they're probably going to win anyway <laughs> you can just get 100 pound 
Switzerland, yeah. Switzerland are the are the rank favourites, man. Yeah. Why? 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 Uh, and this is box? this is what I'm thinking. Like, who decides? How? Like, how? It's it's not like a boxing match, and one guy's a unit, and other's five foot four. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do they actually distinguish who has a stronger chance of winning? Like, who's calling these odds? Isn't it? Yeah, whose job is it at Bet Three Six Five to like run the odds on Eurovision? Who's who has built that statistical model? to select the Eurovision winner for each year. I don't know. Is, is it how it's performing in its like current country or like they've done a poll? Like, I don't know. Maybe there's yeah. some guys in Switzerland who do a podcast there. Like, it's, 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 it's basically voted for by, obviously, the, the countries that are taking part. So there's the element of it where, you know, because I know the way that it worked before was that they did like a TV show for our entry and we got to pick the winner. And then that was the one that ended up going. That's, that's actually probably a better way of doing it because the people who care are actually going to vote for like, yeah, I, I don't know. That sounds like a better way because who who fucking decides who, who's there like a committee? No, like, I think it's like basically a council. They, they write a list of like 30 people and they probably get to number 28 or 29 before they get somebody to say yes. But look at this one. I mean, this guy, look at this guy is basically a producer. He's not really a musical artist. Particularly. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's the level that we're pitching at. I mean, sorry, I, it sounds like we're on a very neg on a, on, on a very negative note today. Where I'm slagging everybody off, but that's that's where we're looking at here. Like this guy doesn't, he isn't a musician by a not. Like he he composes with other people rather. He doesn't have his own career, so to speak. You know, um, so that's the level that we we're driving at. But obviously, then there was the whole thing where whoever wins it hosts it. Normally, is the case. Yeah, so they host it the following year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I think there's much more politics goes into it due to due to the wonders of brexit we are now probably much more actively disliked by you i would say man like that's maybe the song quality is irrelevant you know when you've got kind of big socio-political odds at work you know like the exactly. bookies, it's quite an easy quite an easy fix for england the hundreds of yeah, outsiders man like, yeah yeah we're heavily just disliked by mainland europe like, which is fair enough we deserve whatever. it but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm at risk of going all political again, but you know, if you're going to send these these shaggy-haired Etonian idiots to go and represent us, I'm not entirely surprised that we're not very well liked when, when it comes. And sending sending the likes of Nigel Farage to be a Europe to be a, a member of Parliament for Europe, right, I'm surprised we weren't banned from the continent entirely. I mean, surely that's the, that was the first fucking starting of the hostilities when. As an MEP to represent our interests in Europe, Nigel Farage was the best man for the job. Surely that's just like, you know, saying, fuck you, we want nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't, you, didn't you get up so and bad. walk out? Didn't they have like a staged walkout or a like? Yeah. Like, yeah, they like boycotted it like mid, yeah, yeah. I don't know, service, we'll call it. Like. Yeah. It's, your fucking, kind of like, it's your fucking job. It's your fucking job, sit there, fucking Farage. Yeah, it's the adult equivalent of putting your hands over your ears and going, la, la. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. Like, the fact that I'm even saying the adult equivalent of something so utterly petulant and childish sums up that sector of politics quite oh, for sure, quite man. Yeah. Sure, um, so, but yeah. bringing it back to Eurovision ever so briefly. So, you know, we've heard about the song. We've heard about how you know the political kind of landscape as well. So how many, how many points points do you think will be receiving this year? Will it be nil points again potentially? Could now, you see that? I, I think we'll get. Like, I think countries are going to... I think we'll probably get, like, I don't know, seven. Seven, seven. yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I think, I think, yeah. I think each country gives points to the, to the like, they pick their top ten. Yeah, so they have to, like, someone has to earn 
your top score, then your second, then the third, etc. Yeah, et so I think I think it's like if you're number one, you get ten points, and then if you're right, ten, yeah, one, then... yeah, yeah. It's not as if everybody gets a point just for turning up, kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's entirely possible, cool. man. But we could beat twenty first. We could beat the beat the odds on our current position. But um, he yeah. sounds like he's on. It, it sort of sounds on trend. It's not a great single by any stretch, but it's kind of on trend enough that we might get somewhere with it. But then that's yeah. the thing that, I mean, odds for Eurovision are, are a weird thing to calculate because obviously different countries listen to vastly like different sections of music. Yeah, I mean, do. okay, if you if you look at like, you know, Norway and whatever, like per head of the population, they have like 300 times as many death metal bands <laughs> as everywhere else. Nice. Um, you know, th- there is that element to it. What, why don't yeah. we just move? Why don't I just move there? And, and Germany, man, like Germany, love like rock and metal. Like you know, if you see like rock and ring, you're like, who the fuck is Epica and why are they headlining the second stage? But then you're just like, who? They're nobody here or in like America. See, I went into this kind of hoping that we'd mock Eurovision a little bit, but you know, I'm actually taking it quite seriously now. Now we're talking about the odds and and the single. Like, oh god, I hope we win. I'm really, really I'm, I'm starting to, to become disturbed by the fact that. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally looking through the notes that I've compiled, which is the first time that's ever happened. And we are actually showing, like, we've we've done a little bit of research for shit. This, this you know, advancing wave of professionalism is frankly uh, unheard of. Well, I guess we're not as edgy and trendy as we thought we were, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. It's not as much as we used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Back four episodes ago. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, let's move on. I just wanted to say a little something about the Grammys because they were recently as well. And there were like a few artists that like boycotted it because they weren't nominated, which just seems strange. Like The weekend, for example, like boycotted them because he wasn't nominated for anything. And I was like, well, you've been like quite successful for like the past 10 years. So I don't know why. Anyway, whatever his reasons were, but an artist called uh, Robert Glasper won a Grammy, who's like a jazz kind of neo-soul pianist, record producer and like... He's like fantastic. He's really good. So I'm really glad he won. And uh, Cardi B, uh, who's also obviously well known in that circle, she tweeted saying, you know, like, oh, it's all well and good, you know, people complaining about not being nominated. But like when a smaller black artist does win, it just overshadows their accomplishments. So like props to Robert Glasper, like well done for, for actually winning. Like it's your moment. And I was like, that's so true, man. Like respect to Cardi B for saying that, man, using her platform to say that. That's really cool, man. Um, so yeah, if you don't know who Robert Glasper is, uh, he's like a pianist, jazz pianist, R&B, neo-soul guy. Like, yeah, I highly recommend you listen to his music because it's really nice to see him being represented at the Grammys. Well, there's, there's, a lot of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bad things said about the Grammys because they can be, I think, I think they try and kind of, I'm going to try and defend them a little bit here, but I think they try and have a blend of what is sort of what's mainstream and is selling in huge volumes and then what is kind of a little bit more niche and maybe hasn't been heard of. So they've kind of try and uh, bring in both elements in what they deliver, but it's difficult. Like obviously if you're in awards, you almost want to have to be an awards sort of entity that has such a broad scope, puts you in a lot of, it gives you a lot to work with and there's a huge volume of material and you either end up missing out on people that are actually really good or you just basically just give it out to the you know to the to the top selling artists every year and it kind of becomes pointless yeah i was gonna say the weekend said there was no transparency with the nomination he said the grammys remain corrupt you owe me my fans and the industry transparency 
but just because he wasn't nominated like I, I, maybe there's something else going on i mean i'm going into this half cocked maybe i have no fucking clue what the full story is man but i don't know man like he's he's already been so successful for so many years man like does he need this as well like i don't know like i think there are, i mean i was quite I mean, I wrote the article about the Grammys um, last year because it was mainly as a, as a kind of, I just wanted to write a Rival Sons article and it seemed quite appropriate. And it was brilliant for me that I loved their their music and Gary Clark Jr. And Gary Clark Jr. beat them to the punch in the categories that they were nominated in. Both um, fantastic, you know. Both oh, just brilliant. I, like, yeah. I, love, yeah. like, I love both of it. And it, yeah. they're both kind of very Americana in their own ways. Um and I think there was there was a lot of criticism um, from what I was reading on Reddit, which is a great place to mine for completely <laughs> unsubstantiated opinions. Um, but the, I think there was a lot of outcry for the fact that, um, you know, there, there were certain artists that had missed out versus, because obviously Taylor Swift won again. Obviously it was the infamous Grammys where uh, Kanye's outburst, that was obviously when that, that was, you know, that was another one of her wins. But I think it's, yeah... I think if you base it on the fact that they're just going off the numbers and the sales volume, then there are other people that could possibly be included that haven't been. I don't know what to say. If you are just going to dial it down to that, then fine. But maybe that is what it is. Maybe that's what they're saying, that if they aren't just giving it out to the people with the numbers, um, then where are they getting this from? Like, what's the what's the, what's the word? What, what's the algorithm that they're, that they're using to, to, to sort of arrive at who wins what kind of thing. Yeah. I would assume it's like an independent board of music critics that like chooses their favorite song. But again, maybe this is me being like massively naive. I don't know. Um, but if you do just give it to like the, the best selling artist every year, what's the point in it? Like just look at the charts. Well, like, well this is kind of the thing. So basically Blinding Lights was the biggest seller in the world, apparently yeah. in, the, in last year, yeah. but wasn't nominated for any single award. Were you, I kind of feel as, as much as I totally agree with you and it does sound kind of petulant. He does have a point. If I got the biggest selling album and the or the biggest selling single of the year, and then no award shows picked it up, I would be like, "What? What? Why? Like, yeah." I mean that that that's more of a statement about what you think the music industry has turned into than anything else. It's it true. That's a good point. It's a good the point. The populist stuff isn't what we're interested in, but then. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the weekend's music. I have I undenied about writing an article. I decided against it because I didn't really know enough about it. Um, but my point was kind of going to be that if you're doing the Super Bowl halftime show, then you kind of passed it. Um, <laughs> you, are, you are kind of this is the uh, this is probably the best it's going to get for you. But obviously, this year actually, well, this is where the point was because I was like, well. Yeah, so the year that The weekend did the Super Bowl halftime show is the year where he had the biggest selling single. So maybe it isn't, and maybe that <laughs> that was what threw me, because I was like, well, shit, well, maybe they are bang on trend then. So I kind of walked away thinking, I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm just going to leave this alone. But maybe that's that's what it is, like, I don't know. And obviously then you bring in the element of, if you have the biggest selling single of the year and you are non-white and you don't get a nomination and you see a person who does not have the biggest selling single or album of the year and is a white person and they have lots of nominations and they win awards. I mean, it's kind of underlined by the fact that the person who won the most awards from the whole show was Beyonce. So it under doesn't really back that argument up. And she also had the most nominations with nine. So I don't think he's trying to say that he's coming at it from a racial perspective, but it, probably makes it harder to swallow 
from yeah. his perspective. I mean, I don't think I would be very happy with it either way. But obviously, when you bring that elements into it, it makes it a lot, lot harder. Yeah, man. I, I mean, maybe he's making a wider point about like the politics of the voting process and stuff. You know, which which could be like completely, uh, completely valid. It's what they say about the Oscars as well. I mean, anything that isn't a public vote. I mean, maybe that's the answer. Maybe they do away with all of this kind of snidey inner circle kind of bullshit where there's no panel, there's no academy, there's no whatever. Um, you just literally put it on a website, people vote for it, and that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking through the I'm looking through the list now, and I can't. Okay, I didn't realise James Taylor had got an album award, but that's great. Traditional pop vocal album. I think there've been criticisms though of the categories and who falls under what categories as well, which makes it more difficult. So, like the best rock performance, um, you've got. Well, again, if you look at that, there's quite a lot of solo artists in there, like really? Fiona Apple, Phoebe Bridges, and that's under rock performance. Phoebe Bridges should have won that, man. That's not even rock music, though. This is the thing. It's not. Well, this rock. is what we were saying. I was like, that's. You know, I mean, Code Orange are down under the metal performance, which is, you know, they didn't win. Right, they got nominated for a Grammy. Holy hell. Yeah. That's sick. Phoebe Bridges isn't rock music, though. It's like indie music. It's like acoustic indie, you know. This is the thing. And it does it does strike as a label that's being given by somebody who kind of doesn't. I mean, but there is an alternative music category, which, again, Phoebe Bridges is in. Um, again, didn't win, lost out to Fiona Apple again. How are you in rock performance and alternative music album? Like, pick, do you know what I mean? I just can't get over the fact that I didn't realise Beyonce's album was called Black Parade, which to me is just (laughs) a completely different thing entirely. Um, That would be a great double, double act tour, though. Could you imagine the sales? Oh, my God. You talk about doing Wembley Stadium for five, like five gigs. Yeah. Like if if you add <laughs> MCR and fucking Beyonce on the same bill, Jesus Christ, man! I'd go. Why the fuck not? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of you know, just looking through the list. I mean, I'm as we can probably tell in a lot of cases, I'm sort of the old fart in the corner for the podcast. Like I'm very much not the one that's clued up on the on the modern music kind of thing. But there's loads of people that I've heard of in this in these lists. Like I don't know whether that's a bad thing. Maybe that, maybe that's the bad thing. Maybe that's what uh, people are saying. Yeah, I, but there are so many categories, man. For for like a Grammy, I don't know if like the the weekend specific beef was like he didn't win album of the year. Right, that's like the big one, I guess. Like I think, I think nominate nominate him clearly. I mean, yes, I think if, if you sure. lose in a category, yeah. then that's fine. Like you really can't moan too much. Right. Yeah. Um, but to not even get nominated seems to be a bit dodgy. I'd yeah. love to know their I'm, I'm, what, I'm coming around to this way of thinking. Now you've talked me down yeah. off the roof. I mean, I, you know what I'm like? I'm, I'm a notoriously unsympathetic arsehole. Um, especially when I don't particularly have any axe to grind. I, like, I, I'm not really asked about the weekend's music. I'd take it or leave it kind of thing. But yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, the one thing that we didn't mention, of course, that's the major, major benefit of being a solo artist is the cash because you are sharing those royalties out. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, I suppose it goes to that point. I mean, does that, is that what it boils down to? Is this what, is this what Adam Levine was on about? Is it basically saying, do you only need the, the lead singer? Is that what we're saying? I think it's tr- like, yeah. Cause he's like the star, it's the star power, isn't it, man? Like and yeah. we, we briefly, we'll just briefly go over it again, but like, yeah, he, he like, you know, 
if someone's going to pay him like you know a million dollars or whatever just be on exactly. a single with like fucking Rihanna or like whatever or like well, this week it's Wiz Megan Khalifa it's Alan it's, or whatever it is yeah oh she was best newcomer wasn't she Megan yeah but he's he's literally just released a single with her has he He's wearing yeah. a dickhead outfit, man. That's what <laughs> I don't know anything about. Yeah, that. man. Like, if it's like, you know, it's just, you know, why wouldn't he do like write a guitar part for that? And why wouldn't he just, you know, just sing on a verse? Like, it's just, just like substantial income for the effort, man. Like, obviously, in terms of the sound of a band, replacing a lead singer is the one of the biggest parts. Yeah. It's the identity as well, surely. Well, yeah. exactly. I mean, if this is any indicator whatsoever, it isn't really. But so, like, I've got, uh, I've got um, Morrissey's autobiography, um, which I urge you to read because it's written like no autobiography I've ever read in my entire life. But I've literally the bookmark is stuck roughly halfway through the book because I'm at the point where the Smiths has folded and he's now gone solo, and I've kind of lost the interest and the impetus. Uh, to read on um but like obviously in that respect like if you took johnny Marr out the smiths then they wouldn't be the same no way at all no way so to, that, to that point i'm disagreeing with the idea that you only need the vocalist but obviously if you got rid of morrissey it wouldn't sound the same either and they like the man they need each other exactly yeah and i think that's where i think in certain circumstances yes it's just the vocalist and the band is the band is the band like because whatever whatever they produce musically could pretty much be produced by a session. You only don't need a band if all the creativity comes from one person. Right. That's everything we had to cover for today. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening, man. James and Rob, thanks for being here. Uh, anything you guys want to say before we, uh, before we head off? Yo, man, just talk to all your friends, talk to your family, go for a walk. Say hello to strangers as well. That could mean more than uh, you think. And yeah, if you've neglected playing an instrument, get back on it if you've neglected if you haven't if you've left a bookmark in a book get back on it and yeah man put, put the tires up on your bike go out I'll go out on the road and enjoy the free time while we have it thanks for supporting the website the podcast uh support yourself support the music support creativity and uh yeah see you at the pub peace yeah just just don't dwell on my negativity like i feel like i've i've, I've done a lot of like bad mouthing various different things if you if you like it, like it. Like I mean, I'm as I said, I'm I'm the old coot in the corner when it comes to this sort of thing. So old man yells at cloud. Exactly. Like old don't man don't yells at Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, it's different because we're we're still in in the depths of a pretty annoying lockdown. Whereas obviously, if you're listening to this somewhere outside of the UK, you might well not be. So you might wonder why we keep saying like go out, connect with people, do all this. But honestly, I mean, especially I mean, this week has been crazy in the media. Um, with the stuff that's gone on and it can be quite difficult to I think rise above it and not let that sort of in to your headspace and become even more sort of disillusioned and disenfranchised so at the, at the risk of like trying to keep my political hat off my head um, just do whatever it takes to to you know don't don't dwell in the bad habits we all know what they are um, but don't force yourself to, to live purely in the good habits either like we all know what we need to do um, to be the healthiest and best version but it doesn't mean we have to do that to exhaustion like be all that you can be and, like be the best version of you but don't don't do it to the extent that it like that it kills you or drives you to some sort of you know manic episode just um words man yeah just, just look at yourselves man. perfect thank you very much everybody yeah thanks everyone for listening hopefully see you guys real soon take it easy man